Hi, and welcome to SheQuest Podcast, a radio show that will help you not only claim your awareness around the concept of power, body, beauty, voice, and the arts of your life, but truly embody it. I'm your host, Estelle Thompson. You are here to widen your lens on the unfiltered and uncurated conversation we have in my SheQuest membership program. And best yet, you'll get real life, tangible tools to stay real and true to you. Each season, we will interview incredible, knowledgeable guests and You'll educate and uplift as we strive to live whole and not perfect. Welcome. Hi, SheQuest. Welcome to SheQuest Podcast. I'm your host, Estelle Thompson. This is a series of shows about female entrepreneurship, beautifully curated female-owned brand on a mission. I wanted to highlight small businesses and most importantly, the passionate and fiery women who run them, how they got where they got and why they do what they do. You're in for a treat. Let's dive in today's episode. Sarah Bannerman Andrews is originally from Victoria, BC, but after living in Halifax for 10 years, she calls it her home. She's a lover, a luxury, a mom and a wife, a yogini and an entrepreneur. She's the proud founder of Salva Boutique right here in downtown North End, Alfax, a place where beauty, comfort, and purpose collide. Sarah is a national leader in ethical and sustainable fashion, a big believer in the art of getting dressed and the ritual of self-care. Her wish is simple, for every woman to enjoy getting dressed in the morning, She loves fashion, but also design, and believes that a carefully designed object can bring so much joy to your daily routine and ultimately enhance your quality of life. She started Salva Boutique as a solopreneur in the fall of 2013. Her international travel experience and sommelier training, advanced education in yoga and Ayurveda, and passion for mindfulness and teaching have led her here to Sattva. And on a personal note, I've met Sarah through the yoga community, but I feel really embedded in her when it comes to her support of my art and offerings. My first ever huge magic garden piece is owned and housed at Sattva, and we've hosted many yoga and art workshops at Sattva when it first opened. So I've always felt such a, like she's such a kindred soul sister to me. I'm so happy you're here, Sarah. Hi. Hi, Estelle. Yes, I feel the same way. Oh, so good. Um, at SheQuest Podcast, we always start with the same question, and it's what makes you feel alive today? Oh, my goodness. Um, uh, Connecting to people like you uh, really makes me feel alive and slows me down enough to remember all the things that are important to me. Being present, the world is moving so quickly right now. So accepting the things as they are, uh, overcoming barriers, and ultimately love. Just tell us a bit about yourself and like, how did you come to like, want to have a shop and want to have this whole like philosophy behind it. And it was so it, it really moved me when like, I wanted you on the show. Like you felt so excited that you were finally able to like, just share, you know, the deeper meaning of, you know, spiritual fashion and what it you know, what it means, because it's so much more than just buying a sweater or, you know, it's, it's so much more for you. So can you just tell us a bit like where, where you're from and how did you come to, yeah, own your shop for so long now? It's a journey. I never thought I would own my own shop. It's not something that I set out necessarily to do. It's just where life led me. So I'm 40. I just turned 40, married. Um, I have fabulous family. I love my husband very much. And I have two gorgeous little boys. Um, We live in the north end of Halifax. I've lived here for 11 years. I was actually born in Victoria, BC, and made the move across the country uh, for a work term opportunity for my husband. So we meant to be here for two years. To be honest, I wasn't really into moving here at first. I came kicking and screaming a little bit. And um, when that two years was up, I was I was out of here. 
But um, anyways, 11 years later, and I don't think probably not ever going anywhere. Um, so my home is here now. And I, I love my life here in Nova Scotia. So how do we get to Zappa? So I'm on my third career, really. Uh, my first career was I'm an international sommelier. So I did a lot of traveling as an, or a young adult. And I started to really be curious about wine. So I traveled and I learned and I studied. And then I studied with the International Sommelier Guild. And then, excuse me, I got a job opportunity that took me to Vancouver, and I worked with a very um, like spearheads in actually one of the group of restaurants. One actually was the founder of Oceanwise. I don't know if you listeners would be familiar with that, but it's something that helps the um, consumer sort of track what that they're what they're eating from the ocean and whether it's sustainable, sustainably harvested or not. And uh, the other restaurant was actually the founder of the 100 Mile Diet. So I got to work with some really cool, innovative people. And as a sommelier, I would sort of run my own little business for this group of restaurants about buying, selling, um, cellaring, educating staff around wine. So that was pretty cool. Um, I really enjoyed that. When I moved to Halifax, that didn't really exist here at the time. So if you can remember 11 years ago in Nova Scotia, the restaurant scene was not what it is now. I worked a little bit for a private wine store, actually Bishop's. I should just plug them because I love them so much. <laughs> like Everybody buy your wine from Bishop's. They're so amazing. Um, and I worked in the restaurant, but I wasn't really satisfied with that, to be honest. It wasn't as fulfilling for me. And I got really pulled to yoga, like already being a practitioner, I um I started practicing a lot because I had a lot of time on my hands, and then I did my first teacher training. I got hired by the studio where I did my teacher training, and then I did another teacher training, my advanced teacher training, and then I started managing the studio, and then I started learning about Ayurveda. I did some courses here and there, and then I became an Ayurvedic yoga specialist. So I did a lot of learning in that five-year period. Um, which was a, which was great, and yoga was really everything to me, and still is. But it was um, it was my work, it was my life, it was my friends. It was great, and I really enjoyed that work running a yoga studio. It was really um, challenging, and it was all about figuring out what people need and how to deliver it to them. I did that right up until I got uh, well, not got pregnant, but until I had my first son, Lachlan. And when I had Lachlan, I had a bit of a pause, as most of us do when we have our baby. And in that pause was, Sappho was born. It wasn't what I thought was going to happen, actually. I thought something different was going to happen. But that's what happened. I watched the local food movement go mainstream, which I was a part of in the early days in BC. And I just like watched it gaining popularity here in Nova Scotia and I noticed that like clean self-care products were growing in popularity. And when I had Lachlan, I say I was really triggered because for him, I could buy organic cotton, but I couldn't buy this for myself. Like I could get locally made clothing or I could get organic clothes, but it didn't really suit my taste. I wanted fashion and mindfulness. And I guess the combination of these two things is what led me to Sattva. It was really born out of a desire to have it all, and the beautiful things and connection with them as well. I'm so thrilled to have you here. You're the first guest, you know, that is here to talk to us about ethical fashion. And it's not a, a secret that I love fashion and clothes so much and entrepreneurship, but you're also a yoga instructor. But And before you start telling about yourself, can you just tell us why you... Like, what does sattva mean? Uh, and yeah, what did, why did you name your shop this? What does sattva mean? Okay, so that's a really big question. It means a lot to me. I think here, if anywhere, is an opportunity for me to really talk about that because we have a yogini audience. Um, and I might be able to use some terminology that uh, sets the context correctly or is most meaningful. But to understand what sattva means, I would have to unpack a little bit of theory. Is that okay? Oh, yes. Go ahead. Unpack. Unpack. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So sattva is the name of my store. It's a Sanskrit word. 
we all know yoga, and yoga, as it's explained in the theory, is a practice of spiritual enlightenment. Ayurveda is another Vedic philosophy, or the sister science to yoga. It deals more with health of the physical body, or as I like to call it, our earth suit. Um, So Ayurveda looks at total health through three lenses. It looks at our total health as being a combination of what's happening in our body, what's happening in our mind, and what's happening in our soul. Because Ayurveda has a lot to do with the elements, it believes in non-permanence. So it describes the mind in a state rather than the mind itself. So meaning that the state of the mind is always changing. In Ayurveda, there are three states of mind, and sattva is one of them, or a sattvic state of mind. The first state of mind is tamas, and tamas is associated with darkness, heaviness, it's dense. The colors are deep, rich, dark colors, and an out-of-balance here would look like uh, disorders such as depression, lethargy, obesity. Now, tamas, or having a tamasic state of mind, is neither a good or bad thing, we all need some tamas in our in our state of mind because tamas is what allows us to move towards sleep. Rajas is the second state of mind. So rajas is bright, quick, hot. It moves quickly. The colors are bright, fiery, orange, red, yellow. Out of balance here would look like disorders such as rage, anger, fear. But we also need some rajas in our mind to be able to digest. Mm. Uh, Rajas is actually that movement of intelligence, of problem solving, of acquisition, and processing of all sorts. So Rajas is really actually present in the life uh, cycle of life that you and I are both in right now. Growing, building, getting, buying, learning, figuring out. Sattva is the third state of mind. And sattva is a state of mind where it's light and clear and calm. The color is soft white. There is space. And in this space is beauty, contentment, and connection. It's the state of mind of wholeness and truth. It's unclouded and pure. Mm. And so that's the name of my shop. <laughs> no, as you were describing sattva, and I, I just love that you went through the, the three state, states of mind, you know, and just like make it, it's like, it's almost like a three-dimensional, you know, uh, vortex of sort. But when you were describing sattva, it made me think of the flower painting in your shop that I created. <laughs> For you like it's the perfect representation for that you know the, the the background is white and your painting is a really special piece and it's kind of a cornerstone to the design at Sapa. but mm-hmm. our shopping experience is completely designed as a foundation for Sapa to emerge for Sapa to emerge within the user as you would say it in yoga philosophy but in this case the user is the customer it's for them to realize that feeling of sattva or have that sattvic state of mind. In turn, when they have the sattvic state of mind, it spreads and it spreads into the higher vibration of consciousness, also known as our collective spirit. When someone visits sattva, it's light, it's calm, it's cohesive. Our team is friendly, it's sincere. And people usually feel quite positive about their purchase, knowing that they have chosen to shop ethically and in turn feel good about themselves. When you visit sattva, you also are practicing the ritual or act of self-care. And I think people miss that a lot when it comes to fashion. They, they don't include that in the list of things that they're allowed to do to take care of themselves. That sattvic feeling is almost like a little bit of a serotonin rush. Now, wherever you get this sattvic feeling from, whether it's sattva or some other thing that you do that makes you feel this way, when you feel it, then it's desired again. And I'm not talking about anything like really crazy addictive. It's very subtle. But I think you you may all have a connection to what I'm talking about. I would describe everything that I just told you about as the ethical fashion movement. Uh, there's so much I want to talk to you about just by what you've just said. The, I mean, the five years that you spent studying yoga and Ayurveda and like even managing your yoga studio, like you kind of all do a bit of that 
right now. <laughs> and, you know, even your, your work as a sommelier, you know, um, kind of trained you for opening your store. And it really feels like that. Like I was just at your store yesterday and you really do step into this like higher, like experience, shopping experience. And uh, like your eye is, you know, you have such a good taste, not just taste, but there's something like every piece in your shop has a story as a meaning I call it my spiritual like spiritual fashion really that that's how I see fashion you know it's just another representation of your essence and your spark you know we have these four pillars which are the core of our brand and our promise to our customer is that we source everything based on these four pillars so it's eco ethical local and social we offer a modern fashion forward shop for the conscious consumer. It's primarily for women. We offer clothing, accessories, homeware, apothecary, and that's all curated in alignment with our values. So the yoga says there's like four pots that you need to fill in your life. There's like four jars and you need to fill all of these jars for like a complete balanced life. And it's uh, your dharma, which is your, your purpose. Your, your righteousness. There's your artha, which is uh, prosperity or means. There's kama, which is the pleasures. And then there's moksha, which is the spiritual liberation or enlightenment. So me, Sarah Benderman Andrews, as an individual, I'm like really heavy into the commas, the pleasures. <laughs> so like my jar, my jar there is like really full and I always like filling it up more and more. <laughs> So I'm kind of like a bit of a pleasure junkie. Like I love really rich experiences. I love like little luxuries. And part of my dharma is to encourage and share these things um, in all people, places and things. So it's like the art of wine, the art of yoga, the art of self-care through fashion is um, they're all very connected to me. Yeah, and the art of looking, Sarah, I find like even yesterday when I was at your shop, like you knew things that would fit me well. And I, I was like, oh, you're right. I do dress like this. I was like, how did you know? It's as if you have like a sixth sense, you know, about that, you know, I think it's part of your expertise uh, for sure. And so tell us about ethical fashion because I, I feel confused sometimes about that. Like I love to shop local I'm so like I really feel a difference all over I wish I could but I also find it a bit of a confusing topic to be honest it's a moving target and I also think it's personal but I think it's up to the individual to determine their own moral code or their ethics because that's what we are trying to describe so we'll all have our own point of view here and areas of sensitivity. I think most of us can agree that there are some clear lines that can be drawn between what's right and wrong. And ethical fashion really is a movement to follow that ethical code throughout the lifeline of its products, from the growing of the materials to the manufacturing of the fabric, construction of the garments, distribution, transport, sales, and even marketing a style. Depending on what your moral code is or what you find ethical or unethical is what ethical fashion would be to you. Sustainable fashion is another word we hear a lot. So what's the difference between ethical fashion and sustainable fashion? I can't be certain there is one. I think I'll just point out some areas that you might want to kind of be aware of. And I think even things like, you know, fair trade, that is also sustainable. Like sustainability has to do about the regeneration of a resource, but everything is a resource. Like we're all resources, whether you're talking about a material or a human, it all needs to be ethical and sustainable at the same time. So both words are thrown around a lot. This is a big movement. Like this is a huge movement in the last 10 years. And as such, these words are often getting greenwashed and weaved into marketing campaigns, not necessarily always backed up by proof of practices or education to consumers. I just had a, I, I've never heard it said this way, like basically, like you have your own right and wrong, right? Like yeah. <laughs> for me, yeah. you know, in the situation that, you know, I presently currently am in terms of resources. And yeah, um, yeah. So I love 
I love that part. I've never heard that part. But like, for example, is there is there ways you can like, or just advise like for somebody that would want to start just shopping more ethically? Like what what's the first thing, let's say you would just recommend, like not make a complete overhaul or anything, but like, you know, little steps towards just living more. Yeah, yeah definitely. I'd love to. It's really important to remember that this doesn't need to be so dogmatic. It's okay to do what you can do and meet yourself where you are and take little steps from there. Some areas that you might start to consider when you're purchasing products are location. Um, There's a big movement towards local. And some of the reasoning for this is the offset of carbon and to support local economy. There is a big movement for fair trade. Usually when you purchase something at a very low price, it's because somebody along the line was not paid fairly for their contribution to that item. So fair trade is this notion of understanding was everybody along the line paid fairly and also offered a safe, humane working environment. Another thing to consider is uh, eco-consciousness. So what does that mean? Is this eco-conscious? You could look at it through the fabric. So is the fabric biodegradable? Um, Does it come from a renewable, regenerable resource? Is it toxic to grow? Is it particularly toxic to manufacture? How was it manufactured? Was it a closed-loop system? Was there a lot of waste? Was there a lot of pollution? How about water? How much water was used? Like All of these things would have to go with the eco-consciousness of a particular garment. There's social awareness. Yeah. So this is more about the corporation. So what is this corporation that's benefiting from the sale of this product doing to make a difference in their community? How are they interacting and how are they helping build up others around them? So those I would say are like four big points of things inside the ethical, sustainable fashion umbrella. And there's a couple others that are probably not talked about as much. And I don't know if even by definition they fit, but for me, they're also things that I think about a lot. And that's this concept of value. So nowadays we're living in a very disposable culture. We're not taught to take really good care of our belongings or that anything has real value. And I see this a lot with my kids. Like one of my fears is that my kids will grow up thinking that clothes are something that we get off mommy's laptop. We just say what we want, we click a few buttons, and then it's delivered to our house in a little plastic bag. And yes, we do this too. Like this is a part of the culture that we live in. I think it's helpful to share. Like if I need socks for Lachlan, I buy them from the Gap. I can't get them. And I don't know. I'm just using that as an example. Like did I, I've bought socks from the Gap, but yeah. we shop consignment for Lachlan a lot used socks isn't really something plentiful when you're dealing with a six-year-old boy. So I can't afford to buy $25 socks for somebody who goes through a pair of socks every week. Do you know what I mean? So it's back to that concept of, I'm talking about two things now. I'm talking about value, which is what I wanted to share with you. And then I'm talking about that non-dogmatic approach towards doing what you can to make a difference. The point of bringing up value is that when we have something special, we're more likely to take care of it. Sarah, by the way, I'm taking notes. This is so this is so good and talking about value, I love that you bring points that are not often talked about because this is something that when I went to Europe, I kind of forgotten about it, but I would see a lot of women like wearing these like beautiful leather boots. Like they look like they, they're worth like, you know, like, you know, hundreds, maybe thousands of dollars, like mm-hmm. beautifully like kept. And also, you know what you saw? You saw shoe repair. Right. Places. <laughs> and I was like, ah, oh. and, and it's just like culturally, like I feel, you know, when your shoe break, like do you break it? Do you do you bring it to the to the yeah. in French you say cordonnier? You know, like it's like actually a trade, you know. And I, anyways, I remember sitting there. I was like, oh, like it's a beautiful thing to like take care of your clothes and take. It's almost like within that web of like taking care of yourself in a way, you know, like 
I know I deal with that all the time with Isaiah, like the socks thing or like the, you know, the clothes thing. Oh my God. Like, I hope he doesn't think like clothes just show up on your doorstep. I think about that all, all the time. So like, thank you so much for sharing. It's so important. such an important conversation. And I've noticed too, at your, at Sadva, you do do like pre-love and you do pop up of like your own clothes, right? Like people can come and like sell their. Well, we have that consignment shop. Yeah. So that was a big thing for me. It was like, almost missing from our offering was a way to reuse clothing that still had a lot of value. And also to just, um, you know, offer a bit more of an accessible price point for people who can't just frankly can't afford to shop a Sattva for all the time. I love the consignment shop. It makes me really happy. But what I would also like to let people know is it is okay to move on from things that you paid a lot of money for. And sometimes the relationship with them is not beneficial if you're just, you know, you're holding on to it and it's taking up mental space, especially if it has, if it's a size thing, you're trying to get back to that size and it's been 10 years and it's not happening. Like if that thing has value when you purchased it, it likely still has value and you could get a decent amount for it if you sold it at consignment. And then that clears up that space for you and you don't need those spider webs in your closet. It is okay to move on from pieces that, that you paid a lot of money for and they still have value and they'll still be valuable to somebody else. Totally. Somebody else can breathe new life into them. <laughs> the last point is connection. Fashion and garment construction is actually an art. It can be very special and very beautiful when you know the story. In the case, there is a story to know because there's not a story behind all clothes. But the art of fashion is so rich. like It's so beautiful. And there's so much talent and passion in this industry. You know, getting dressed is something that we do every day, just like eating. We have to eat three meals a day, We have to get dressed every day. It's a part of life. And not everybody has a great relationship to either one of these things. But if we choose to and we work at it, it's something that can bring such pleasure and such joy to your life. That's another thing that we try to offer at Sapa is like telling the story behind the brand. Like, what are they doing? Who are these people that are making your clothes? Why is it different? Why is it special? And even the connection to coming to a local boutique, like online is such a big thing right now and will be forever. But it's like that connection of coming into a store where you get to interact with the people that have curated the things in the store for you, the people that do the marketing, the people that source the products, the people that build the brand. Like there's a connection in that, that even makes the clothes more joyful and more meaningful for the wearer like I on the daily you know like literally I look at my closet and I'm like who who am I today you know like today I was like a (laughs) podcast host so I'm like dressing more professionally and like that helps me to carry or you know whatever I always do that I mean maybe some people have but even when like as a teacher you know like okay I'm my teaching today and like I do these like sparkly session thing and like I'll wear a shirt and there's like a fairy on it. And like, for me, that matters because like, that's what the essence of what I'm trying, the essence of what I'm carrying and people are looking at me and that affects them. (laughs) Like, and I mean, maybe it's because my back, I'm so heavy on the visual aspect. Like, just like you Mm -hmm. said, like, you know, we eat three meals a day. Well, we ingest like visual materials, like, all the time we're affected like we literally become what we surround ourselves with you know and a couple of points on that is you're right like we are digesting everything we see and even in Ayurveda that's what they'll say is your digestion is not only the food that you put into your body and then eliminate it's everything that you put into your body also needs to be eliminated through your five senses so everything you see everything you hear everything you taste everything you touch so all of these impressions everything that you're taking in through all your five senses needs to be digested and the nutrients from all of those things you keep and the waste from all of those things needs to be eliminated. I think that's a particularly helpful thing to think about when it comes to social media, because it's 
it's such a beast. <laughs> yes. And there's so many impressions. Like just think about how much you take in off social media every day or other medias as well. And all of that needs to be digested. The art or the luxury of it is how can I, Estelle Thompson, choose to express myself today? What do I want people to know about me? So fashion is matching your outsides to your insides or your insides to your outsides. So you're right. And through that power of choice, we have an opportunity to, to let the world know something about us. Just let us know something about us. Because quite frankly, nobody knows what you're wearing right now. So <laughs> you could be, I'm surprised you're not wearing your pajamas. To be honest. <laughs> you didn't get dressed in your power podcast outfit for anybody but yourself. And that's really amazing. Well, you know me, I like fashion for me is as it's it just comes with my love of art and shapes and lines and just how much it affects you. And it, yeah, you don't even need to, I dress for myself, right? Like, <laughs> you're right. Like, I love that you say, like, nobody's looking at you right now. I'm like, I know, but I am. <laughs> Actually, maybe I was at your store and somebody, yes, I was at Subup. Like that was like maybe a couple of years ago. And somebody came out of the changing room, Sarah, and she said, can I pull this off? And I asked her, do you want to pull this off? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, you know, who are you dressing for? You know? Yeah. It's a huge, it's such an important, like I wear things that my husband hates, like on the daily. <laughs> Like if it was for him, I'd be in jeans and t-shirt every day. Like, uh, do you know me as a jean and t-shirt girl? Like I love jeans, but you know, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's such a big and loaded conversation, I think. And I, it goes with your last point of the connection and the relationship you have with, with clothes, your body. Yeah. It's so embedded in me to help people find things that suit them. Like I don't even really think about what I'm doing. Um, like you said yesterday, I just like brought you things that you didn't even know you wanted. I know, or needed. they're so good. But one of the things that I am, um, well, I think it's just because I care. Like I actually want people to leave feeling confident and happy. So I ask a lot of questions usually about what their lifestyle is. And one of the things that I check for when people come out of the change room to know whether that garment is going to be the right thing for them or not, and I do this intuitively without even really being conscious of it, is their body language. So when they open the drapes and they come out and they're like, what do you think? I can, t- I can see in their body language whether they like that garment or not. Usually, not always. That's how it is. Like whether I like it on you or not like it on you, is it comfortable? Does, does it make you feel comfortable? Do you feel confident in it? Yeah. And that's usually what they're going to wear. But there's this other little thing that I sometimes ask people about their closet. So I'm envisioning most people's closet is somewhat like mine. You have a bar of clothing at the front of your closet, my closet is a deep closet. It doesn't run from side to side. It runs from front to back. So at the front of my closet is all of the things that just came out of the laundry and they're freshly hung up and ready to wear again. And then in the middle of my closet is the things that I have worn a couple times this season. I don't wear them an awful lot, but they're still in the rotation. I like them. And then in the back of the closet is the things that I'm going to hang on to them for one more season to see if I wear them or it's like my Christmas dress or Mm. whatever it is that you don't use on a regular basis. So what we try to do at Satva or what I would suggest to anybody who's looking to change the way they get dressed or what they want to buy is to focus on the things that are in that first 10 to 20% of your closet. Like what are the things that you reach for? What are the things that are always in the laundry? What are the things that you wear every day? And sometimes people say, oh, I have something just like that at home. I don't need, I don't, I shouldn't. It's more like a, I shouldn't get another one of those. (laughs) And sometimes depending on who says that, if I think it's okay to go there, I'll say like, but why shouldn't you get another one of those? If that's what you wear every day and that's what makes you happy and makes you feel good and works with your lifestyle, maybe you should get more of those. Do you see what I'm saying? Oh, oh, 100%. Like, you know, why do you like what you like? (laughs) Like, you know, automatically, like, just wear the stuff because we have, and it's like, okay, but why do I wear it? And why don't I wear the stuff? Like, all the time, like, 
you know, why don't I wear dresses? Like I can wear whatever I want to wear. Like sometimes I think, oh, I, you know, you could just wear dresses to go out. No, fuck no. You can wear dresses whenever you want, you know? So it's giving like yourself like just that freedom to be like, exactly like, why do I wear what I wear? And sometimes people come and their intention is to do something differently. Like I'm a bit stuck in a rut. I want to step outside of my box. And you know when they come in and that's their intention, well, that's what's going to make them feel good. They don't need another gray sweatshirt, you know? They need something different because that's what they're looking for. They're looking to express themselves in a different way. But somebody that's just coming because they need things to wear or, you know, by the end, it depends how often you do laundry too. Like if you only do laundry once a week, you need like seven go-to things. Oh, this is such an important conversation. I love it. I want to switch gear a little, Sarah, and just ask you like, like, how do you think, I know, you know, you're like juggling being a mom and, you know, just take owning a business. And I'm wondering how much this is just influenced like, like your life just in general. I think this is probably the worst time you could have asked that question, like just considering everything that's going on around us in the global setting right now. Uh, to be honest, Estelle, it's, it is, it's a struggle, especially in the current climate and in my industry where there is such a demand for change. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we all know, change takes time and energy. And so we are changing a lot. And uh, we are trying to keep up with what our customer needs and wants from us. And so that is uh, time consuming. It's good. It's all good. I am so lucky that I have yoga and Ayurveda in my back pocket as a tool when I need tools to support juggling all of these things. So what are And what are your tools, would you say? Like, do you have daily soul rituals that you... Um, do I just get so inspired by knowing what other women do to stay close to their souls? I don't really have daily soul rituals. Every day is different for me, which is, uh, not good for my vata imbalance, but I try to do a couple of things as much as possible. Exercise is a big one for me. It's just helps me clear my head. Like just being able to get uh, to a yoga class or out for a run, it just gives me some space to not be influenced by anything that's going on around me and just think through what I need to think through. So that's probably the biggest one for me right now. But I love um, getting near the ocean. Like every so often I just have that feeling in my body that I just need to get to the ocean. So just being, you're, you have such a luxury, you get to be by the ocean every day, but um, just like maybe it's a quick trip to an Airbnb on the South Shore, or maybe it's just out to the ocean to take a walk, but those are things. Uh, getting to the spa, I really love, like I've mentioned, all things Kama. So if I can take a trip down to Spirit Spa for a massage or maybe a pedicure, that's something that I do to take care of myself. And, you know, this is another one that's really important is spending time with my husband. Yeah. Ah, I love that. Because it doesn't, it's not like nobody like makes that a priority, but for me, he's so, so good for me. He's so grounding and we just really enjoy each other's company. And as you know, sometimes at home, it's like the daily, right? Like he's an entrepreneur as well. So it's our task list. It's like we're running our own business at home. Like I see him every day. And we interact every day, but it's the to-do list and who's doing what and how everything's going to get done. So every once in a while, if his mother will take the kids for the night, like that's a soul ritual for me is, is spending quality time with my husband. Uh, I so concur. I, that's been so hard with COVID and everything. Like we try to go every month, like once a while, you know, we'll get a sitter and stuff. And with the whole pandemic, it's like, oh, it's impossible, you know, it's impossible. So, okay. And then one last question that I had, because I, it's one that I get often kind of the SheQuest community, just like, like, would you have, and I, I know it's like a loaded question, but just like a couple tips, if someone was really like, you know, they wanted to start their own female brand business. And perhaps even because we've been so, you know, we've talked a lot about ethical fashion and stuff. Like, would you have any, you know, what's your first tip for like starting your own business in fashion? You need to plan. 
I hated doing a business plan. Like when I was starting Sattva, it's like to get me to sit still and focus on one thing for five days. <laughs> oh my God. It's just like not in my property <laughs> to do that, but I had to do it and I'm really glad I did. Um, so it's really important. So if you're going to start your own business plan and at the same time, be ready to completely depart from that plan. I think you have to have a best and worst case scenario and you have to be ready to pivot quickly. Yeah. I think you need to be authentic. If you really believe in what you do, um, they will too. I think you need to consider what your dharma is. If you don't know what your dharma is, you should find out. You should do the work with... Do you work with Rod Stryker, Estelle? Like, have you done the Four Desires? Yeah, actually, uh, yes. I've done some, like, online classes with him, yeah. So these are really helpful things, like, to know if this business is in line with you. It has to be in line with you and what you're good at and what you want to do. And then another thing he talks about, too, is your V-Calpo, which is a, a repetitive pattern or habit. It's a re repetitive behavior that's so deeply embedded in you you don't even know it exists until you figure out what it is and it stops you from getting where you need to go right. if you know what that is if you can recognize what you do to stop yourself from getting where you need to go that would be a really helpful thing to learn yeah. never stop improving I think if you think owning a business is going to be easy uh, it's not it might get easier like I talk about Dharma a lot and it's like, it doesn't mean that if you are on your mission and you're all are walking the path, like it doesn't mean, and you are like, quote unquote, following your dreams. Like it doesn't mean that it's easy. <laughs> like, it's like, it's for you. And you know, you feel there's something, there's a per there's something higher like propelling you forward, but it still doesn't mean it's like a walk in the park, you know? <laughs> Know. It's a huge misconception like a lot of us have about about that you know but I also think that your dharma doesn't need to be acted out through your career like there's plenty of other ways to live your dharma and it not be through your career yeah and I don't think entrepreneurs are actually looking for easy I think entrepreneurs by nature are the ones that enjoy a little bit of challenge and for things to always be different and always be changing I think if you're going to start a business and you have a team you need to be a good leader. I mean, oh my goodness, I'm far from perfect, but I try my best and I, I care. And I think that's really important. Second to that, if you are going to have people on your team, then you need to treat the ones who are an asset as best you can. Mm -hmm. I think starting your own business, you just need to be brave. You need to believe in love over fear. Surround yourself with things that put you in that sapphic state of mind. So, I mean, we talked a lot about sapphic at the beginning of this interview, but that's not just through shopping. I mean, getting on this higher vibration doesn't need to be just the ethical fashion movement. Like that's the vibration I was talking about, but surrounding yourself with sattvic experiences, whatever those are for you, there's a sweetness that we all are desiring in relationships and it's in experiences. And it's just these things which give us that deep sense of ability, yeah. like, like refueling your tank, like your ojas or your endurance or your immunity, maybe your immune system would be a good way to describe what ojas is in Ayurveda, but it's the recharge. It's filling those pots. Yeah. So doing enough things to keep refilling your pots, whatever that is for you, and get your mind clear and light and uncrowded, and then you're on fire. I love that. What a great run through. Wow. So we're just kind of wrapping things up, and I love to ask these kind of quick uh, fire question. We'll go favorite mantra. Ishvari Pranidhan, surrender to the higher power. Mm. It, to me, it means there are some things you can't control and you can't get stuck on those things. Mm. Um, favorite flower. Rose. Favorite book. I just read a few chapters of Jen, Jen King's book. I really enjoyed that. That was really fun to read. Oh, yes, I'm trying it's to have her. Fun. You know, Jen's my neighbor. I'm trying to have her. Yes, yes she's, I'm trying to have her. I read her book. It was excellent. Uh, what about uh, favorite podcasts? I enjoyed listening to yours, and I do want to start listening to podcasts. So if somebody could give me a list of podcasts to listen to, that would be nice. I'll hook you up. I'll hook you up. Do you have any favorite shows on Netflix? 
Emily in Paris, obviously. Oh my God, that show is so, so addictive. And the fashion in it, Sarah. Oh. It was really good. I really enjoyed it. It was really lighthearted and the episodes were short. I mean, I think I've watched about the first 30 minutes of most Netflix shows, but I, it's at the end of the day and I can never last. But I thought that Emily in Paris is really fun. And so in line. So they're coming out with a season two. I was obsessed. And I it was like, I love it too. It was so light. I love that. I was like, oh, that's what we need right now. Just like something just light. And it, it totally like re-inspired me with like my outfits and stuff. I was like, girl. <laughs> How she like did a big cuff on her jeans with a boot and a suit jacket. I thought that was really cute. I'm going to try that. Watch so great. I'm so glad you said that show. Uh, what about, well, you said yoga or running. I think you do both, but I'll let you answer. You're absolutely right. I, I choose both. And it's kind of what I believe in most is I don't really like making sacrifices. So I believe I can have it all. And uh, I know the last question is favorite treat, but because you're a sommelier and because I'm such a vino, can you tell us your favorite your favorite wine right now how about do you have an organic i'm so into organic wine do you have like a favorite maybe something we can pick up at bishop cellars or something a lot of their wine is organic or biodegradable and you it's not even really labeled that way like if you read a french label there's a little sign on the back which means organic and it's because it's such a way of life there it's not necessarily plastered on the front of the label um So they can help you better than I can to figure out which wines there are organic. And that's why I love going there because they're so educated. My favorite wines are um, the red. My favorite grape variety is Nebbiolo. So it's mostly grown in northern Italy and comes under the label uh, Barolo and Barbaresco. But those are DOCG regulated and you can also get declassified uh, Nebbiolo which you can find either at Port of Wines or Bishops. It's a very tannic red wine. Like it's a big wine, but it's not um, oaky or heavy. So I really like that. And for white, I, I love Chardonnay. Like I love French Chardonnay right now. And it changes. Like I go through different periods, but I like really, really, really lightly oaked or not oaked at all Chardonnay. Mm-hmm. So Chablis, but it's a bit expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so my last question, it's like a loaded question, but I, and it's one I've, I've changed since, you know, that this whole kind of pandemic in March happened. But because um, I felt when that all happened, I felt this like almost like a new world we're creating. And that's my last question is like, what do you wish? And perhaps you can keep it in line with, you know, our subjects today fashion, ethical fashion, and just, you know, sadva all around. But what do you wish for this new world that women are creating? Well, you said in the beginning, I, I do what you said, my wish is for people to enjoy getting dressed. And I do wish that. But with regards to everything that's going on around us in the state of the world and just people in general, I, I wish for less, less fear and more love. I wish for everybody to get on that higher vibration of consciousness and to be in a more sapphic state of mind. And higher vibration of consciousness is so etheric, but it just means a, a connection. Like we're, we're all moving for the same reason. We're all getting to this, trying to get to the same thing. And we are not different from one another. Mm. It's like that sattvic state so when it's most apparent to me is because we have a yogi audience here it's like when you're saying the sound of om in a class so you have more people and they're all saying the sound of om at the end of the class and then the sound of om stops but the vibration lingers Mm. i want everybody to listen for that because that is a sattvic moment and Mm. that's the kind of connection that i'm wishing for everyone to have Oh, so beautifully said. And it's really like the place for this on this, in this podcast as well. And I'm just, I feel very, very lucky that you would spend the time to just chat with me, Sarah, and um, to share who you are, 
with us and this audience. Um, I want to know where can we find you and how can we support you? <laughs> uh, you can find me at my shop. <laughs> um, so I'm there. Uh, it's in Halifax on Agricola Street. If you're familiar with the North End, it's 2453 Agricola Street. So we are um, north of the Commons and just a block and a half south of Charles, which is where the liquor store and Creative Crossing. Our website is simple. It's www.satvaboutique.com. So we have a pretty active website. Um, we have a great um, newsletter. So we don't send too many emails, but we sell, send, um, you know, we have promotions and sales and new arrivals, but we also try to share educational pieces as well. Um, I believe we have one going out every month, if not more. So you can sign up for that from our website. And I believe you get uh, a notification and you can, you can say what your preferences are, about what kind of mails you'd like to engage in. You can find me on Instagram. So Fatva Boutique is the handle. It's just S-A-T-T-A, that's Fatva Boutique. And we have a very active Instagram um, we have every Thursday, we release Sapa style videos. So someone from our team will do a little try on session. And it's usually themed around a styling tip or a brand or a certain type of commodity like cozy sweaters or whatever the focus is. And so we do um, little educational videos and we share them. So you can look for those on our Instagram stories every Thursday. And then we're also on Facebook. Uh, where else are people normally? Estelle, did I cover everything? I think you covered. Yes, yeah. I think so. Our, our, yeah. our web address and our Instagrams are all easy. There's nothing tricky. It is all yeah. Satva. It's Satva Boutique for Instagram, Satva Halifax for Facebook, and just satvaboutique.com for our website. That's yeah. where we are. So great. Uh, thanks again so much. I just, I thank you for talking to us today, Sarah. Thank you. It's my pleasure, Estelle. Thank you for having Bye. me. Bye. <laughs>